Good morning. Thank you, Sister Michelle. Uh, and uh, those students continue the good work. And also, thank you, Brother Ivan, and the rest of the front line. Thank you for leading us into worship. And if, you, if this is your first time here at church, we welcome you. And also, if, you, if this is your second time, we welcome you. I remember when I was in the elementary, I also, you know, received those awards. But my awards is uh, most behave. Because <laughs> when the teacher asked me about the, you know, the answer to the question, I'm just so quiet. So that's why I got most behave. <laughs> I'd like to welcome... Uh, uh, our, our guest from Ohio, welcome back. Uh, doc, uh, uh, and also, Sister, Sister Rose, will you introduce your guest to us? Oh, no, no, that's brother. Brother, yeah, brother Sid has a new haircut. I did not recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> I did not recognize him. Hogi. Hogi. Okay, this morning I invite you to please rise again as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God. We'll continue our studies in, in of course, a series of studies about the church. Last Sunday, we, of course, have a new, a, we have a, a special Sunday because it's uh, Parents' Day. And, and this morning, we will continue our topic about church. And so, if you have your Bible with you, uh, you open it in the book, into the book of Acts, chapter 2. That's beginning verse 42 until verse uh, 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon Every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. May the good Lord bless the reading of his words. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you bless your words. Indeed, your words, O Lord, are sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, use them this morning to cut anything that are not pleasing into your sight. Especially, Father, as part of our church. May you, O oh Lord, help us listen with a listening heart today and apply them into our daily walk. And Father, we thank you for the sustaining grace. You provide everything that we need every day, O oh Lord. And for that, Father, we thank you. Lord, uh, this morning, we ask that you continue to provide those things that we need. Most especially, Lord, spiritual things. 
May we indeed grow, O Lord, in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we be, O Lord, like the church that we will study today, First Church, O Lord. May you, O Lord, see the glory, see your beauty through your words today. Father, I leave up to you those students who just received those awards. May you continue, O Lord, to bless them. And Lord, I pray that you will cover them with your blood. And I pray, Lord, that you will also provide the things that they need. Safety, O Lord, every day as they go to school. Pray, Lord, for those birthday celebrants this coming week. I pray, Lord, that you will also, in a way, bless them, a double portion of your blessing. And those people who are not feeling well, if they are here, Lord, bless them. If they are not here, O Lord, I pray that you will, O Lord, be with them. Strengthen them, O Lord. Bring forth healing, O Lord, into their physical body. And once again, thank you. Grant wisdom to each and every one of us this morning as we listen to your words. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Again, last uh, two Sundays ago, we, start, we started studying about the church. And the first thing that we did is to define the church. And not only define the church, but also did look at the beginning of the church. So if you still remember that the meaning of the church in Greek is ecclesia. Meaning, called at once. A person who is a believer in the Lord is part of the ecclesia. And the ecclesia is you. You are the church. And we're not talking about the building. We are talking about you, a person who gave themselves to the Lord, who repented of their sins, and they became true believers in the Lord. A true born-again believer in the Lord. Repented of their sins. You are the Ecclesia. And also we did study about the other word that the Bible uses is the kuriakos. And I like the definition. It is devoted one. You are a church and we should be devoted to the Lord. And our devotion is to be to the Lord only. And when we are called out from the world, we need to show to the world that we are different. Meaning that Christ should reflect in our lives. So that people will see that we are different. We also study, and in that sermon, learn that the beginning of the church was when the Holy Spirit came down. That is the promise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the book of John, chapter 14, 15, and 16. And I call that, the, of course, the paraclete saying, the promise of the Lord to his disciples because they were worried. Because Christ kept on saying, I will leave, I will leave. And the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled because I will send someone like me to comfort you, to always be with you. And by the way, the word paraclete is a Greek word meaning called alongside. And so not only the Holy Spirit came down during the day of Pentecost, and that is the beginning of the church, he dwelleth in every individual in those days. And that's why if you will see and, and open the Bible to the book of Acts, what we find here is 
people must agree to be the, the birth of the very first church in history on the day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit came down. And then when the Holy Spirit came down, he empowered them. And that's why in those days, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, they were accused of being drunk. And someone said, no, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. On that day, under the firm and faithful preaching of the Word of God, after the Holy Spirit came down upon them, in our reading, 3,000 souls came to faith in Jesus Christ. And also they were baptized and joined together into a community of believers that we would, of course, recognize as the church. There was much about the original church that is different from ours today. That's why our topic or the title of our message today is the model church. So we will take a look at the first church, the beginning of the church. What are they doing? And in our study, we will see the purposes or the purpose of the church. And we will take a look and compare yourself and myself to those original members of the church. And so we will take a look at the book of Acts chapter 2 this morning. See, the first church was not a Baptist church. Probably you, you saw those signs, First Baptist Church of Arizona, First Baptist Church of Dallas. No, first church is this in the book of Acts chapter 2. They did not have a sanctuary like we do. They did not have a fellowship hall. We have a fellowship hall, praise the Lord, amen. amen. And you know, I, 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 I praise the Lord, we have this facility before, we don't have this facility. And, it, and in, indeed, I, until now, I'm amazed because of the you know, graciousness of God, because of, of God's goodness. He gave this facility to us, for those of you who don't know, free and clean. We don't have any mortgage here. They gave it to us, so we might as well, as we study, you know, think about, utilizing this for the kingdom of God and use it for his glory. And so they did not have a sanctuary or a fellowship hall, no organized ministries or programs. They don't have any map. They don't have any wow. They don't have any youth. They don't have any LTQ in those days. Yet, you will see that church grew so fast. While there was much uh, that was different and unique uh, to that time and place, and many things that we simply cannot repeat, there are some fundamentals. Fundamentals from that first church that are critical to our churches in all ages, in all places. And so, as we seek to look into the Word of God, by the way, uh, uh, next Sunday, I encourage you to bring your own copy of your Bible. Okay? Because I might be reading different Bible. I want you to check what I'm preaching. Okay? Don't just rely on our monitor. Have your own copy of your own Bible. I encourage you. And so, as we seek to look into the Word of God to find instruction and direction for our church, there are three aspects 
of the first church that we ought to seek to replicate within the body of the believers. There are three, and we will take a look. Their priorities, we will take a look at their priorities and compare to our priorities, your priorities, and also we'll, we'll take a look at their practices. And number three, we will take a look at the power, how they endured in those days. So first, let's take a look at their priorities in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You see, the priorities of a church will determine the course and direction of the church. When I say priorities of the church, I want you to apply it into your personal life as a believer in the Lord. What is your priorities? As a true believer in the Lord, as a church. Why? It's because the priorities of a church will determine the course and direction of the church. And, and you can tell a lot about the church by the things it values. What do we value here at Philam International Baptist Church? In your personal Christian walk, what do you value? I want to ask you to listen, meditate upon the question that I'm asking. What do you really value in life? What are your priorities in life? Those are very important questions. If we want to grow the church, and if you want to grow personally in the Lord. A recent issue of the church index contained an article about the church in Asland, Oregon. And the church is called the Church of the Holy Light of the Queen. It's known that in March, the church won a federal court ruling that allows the church to import a hallucinogenic tea that it uses in its regular services. Do you know what is that hallucinogenic? <laughs> hallucinogenic? It, is a, a, it contains a trace amount of chemical DMT that will make you hallucinate. And the church claims that only by drinking this particular tea, a, 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 a church member can have a direct experience with Jesus Christ. According to that report. You know what? Think about this. The Christians that made up the first church in the book of Acts were not concerned with highs and hallucinations. The daily life and activity of that initial assembly of believers centered on some very basic priorities. That, that's why they were alive. That's why they were very effective. They don't need this kind of tea. Verse 42 gives a, snap, a snapshot of the things the first church valued and practiced. It says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. First thing that we note here is that uh, <clears throat> the things that we need to value as a true church, as a believer in the Lord, and therefore, prioritize in the life of our church. First of all, we, 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 we notice that they prioritize, number one, 
the attention to the Word of God. Attention to the Word of God. That was their priority and that was their value. And that's why I told you, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, you need to bring your own copy of the Word of God. If you really value the Word of God, if you really prioritize the Word of God, you don't only bring your Bible, but also read it. You see, this is what the first church did. Attention to the Word of God. See, the early church, therefore, gave constant attention to the teachings and principles that were being related to them by the apostles such as Peter and also James. And they were talking about the doctrine of Christ, His atonement, His resurrection, and also His return. These teachings were very important for those people in those days because the resurrection of Jesus Christ... In those days, people don't believe. And yet, they continue to study and teach and preach those teachings in those days. Word of God. See, the message of the gospel was something they desired to know better. Today, the teachings and doctrine of the apostles have been preserved for us in the inspired word of God. In those days, they don't have any complete Bible yet. But they listen to the apostles like Peter, James, John, and the rest. Today, we have the Word of God. And we need to, if we really prioritize the Word of God, we need to value it. And so, the Bible is our link to the apostolic message of the gospel. Much like the first assembly, we must value the Bible and the truths it contains and also it proclaims. In all of our gatherings, there ought to be the goal of giving attention to the preaching just like this, teaching and study of the Word of God. Most of you are familiar with uh, uh, this pastor, in black pastor in, in Dallas, Texas, uh, Tony Evans. He observed this in, in churches, and this is his observation. And, and he likened it uh, to a, a football uh, game at church. This is what he said. For a three-hour football game, a sports lover will be on time. He will only miss the opening kickoff if it's unavoidable. He will sit in his favorite pew. He won't get up to it. He will sit in front of the game for three hours and not complain that the game is going on too long. This sports lover will not badge because he has a high regard for whoever his favorite team is. If by chance, he said, the game goes into overtime, he will not even bother to look at his watch. He will be engaged because the team on the screen is Worthy of his respect. Then he said, Many times football games get more respect, time, and intensity than a visit to God's house on Sunday morning. Which is true. And, and, and if we don't pay attention to the word of God, 
That means we don't respect God Himself and His Word. That's why I want you, and I will say this, because I'm here, sometimes I see you, instead of listening, you're busy with your cell phone. Can you not pay attention to the preaching of the Word of God unless you're using it as your Bible? Many times, modern-day Christians, they sit down. What they think about is about social media, Facebook. They base their acceptance on the likes of those people, and they bring it inside the church, which is a shame. And that's why my encouragement to you, bring your Bible and shut down those cell phones. Why? It's because we disrespect the Word of God. If we really prioritize the Word of God, and it is very important, and we value it, refrain, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Sometimes those gadgets are, are, are curse. They're not blessing. Let's, let's, let's really be serious, just like these people, the first church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teachings or doctrines. And, uh, you know what? That was not the case with the church in the book of Acts. They really pay attention. This early church valued and therefore prioritized giving attention to the word of God. I notice not only that they prioritize attention to the word of God, but notice also that they value and prioritize the assembling for the worship of God. Verse 42. And it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And notice three things, okay? Fellowship, breaking of bread, and also prayers. You see, the word fellowship speaks of sharing things in common. It has the idea, people spending time together, practicing and participating in the same things. And that's why membership in the church is very, very important. We also study about universal church and local church. God has gifted you spiritually, and you can use that gift to encourage, to edify your brother by fellowshipping. The word fellowship here is, is spending time together, practicing and participating in the same things. And that's what those believers do in those days. Sad today. Many people who call themselves believers in the Lord, they want to join the big church. The reason why they join the big church or attend big churches is after the church, they just leave. No, 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 no. That's not biblical. What is biblical is you spend time with your brothers and sisters in the Lord so we can edify one another in the Lord. Amen. 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 It's getting louder and louder. Amen. <laughs> we need one another. I need you. You need me. We are the body of Christ. You cannot disassociate yourself. 
One of these days, we will stand before the Lord, and the Lord will, you know, ask us, and we will be accountable. I'm pretty sure of that because God gave you a gift. Are you using your gift to edify the body of the Lord? Are you even faithful in his local body? This is his local body. The phrase breaking of bread can refer simply to eating a meal. Say amen. <laughs> you know what we do after service? It's really very biblical. <laughs> can refer simply to eating a meal. On this case, it, it likely speaks of partaking in the Lord's Supper. And so, also the communion. Uh, and, and again, uh, Baptist churches are good at this. Uh, potluck. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Another thing is that in the original language, the word prayers has an article before it so that it literally reads the prayer, okay, the prayer. It speaks of a prayer service where public prayers are offered. And so again, it is important for you to fellowship and join because uh, this is what the churches do or what the church do uh, originally. What do all these things have in common? That's the question. They're all things that take place when a body of believers assemble for worship. So these are the things that go on at a church service. So if, if, if a believer says that I am a Christian, that I am a believer, and you don't see him regularly at church or go to church, other church, then... Uh, I think there is a problem. Why? Because those members, they are faithful in their local assembly. If you read in this text, in verse 46, there are all things that take place when a body of believers assembles for worship, and in verse 46, it says that the first church met together in some capacity on a, listen to the word, daily basis. Probably uh, this morning you're saying, Lord, I thank you. I was not born in those days. Because, man, they meet every day. Have you noticed that? They meet every day. Really, every day. And that's why I want you to have your own Bible, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. Here at church, our service starts at 10.30 and then ends at 12. And yet, you still hear people complaining, pastor's sermon is long. Hey, those people, they meet every day. 10.30 until 12. How many hours is that? One and a half hours, right? Uh, this morning, I will make it at 2, until 2. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have you noticed 
the excitement of those people? They meet every day? Hey, if you are bored from 10.30 until 12, check yourself. Why? Why? Because you're not excited. You don't value the word of God. That's it. Think about this again. It's only one and a half, and the preaching is only 45 minutes. Maximum 50. Are you getting the idea? When we come here, we sing, we sing, and that's not the word of God yet. Oh, it's the word of God through singing. When we come to preaching, sharing the word, it's only 45 minutes. I am praying that the Lord will give you the power to endure. (laughs) And listen to the word of God. I am comparing our church into those church. They meet daily. That's why, you know, I can read your mind. I praise the Lord. I was not born in those days. They meet daily. In our day, the trend is to have fewer services and to gather less and less. Isn't it sad? Many churches only meet one time a week on Sunday morning. I'm sorry to say this. But if you come here one Sunday, uh, every Sunday only, please be on time. Ten thirty until Lord. I give this 10.30 until 12 to you alone. I will not turn on my cell phone. I will only open my Bible. Is that hard to do? Yes. My dear, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, I am serious. In those days, they meet every day. But here, we only meet 10.30 until 12. Let's get serious about it. Amen. That's why some people don't even know that they were greeted in, in, in happy birthday. It's because they came at, you know, at the end of my preaching. <laughs> let's, let's really be serious. Because the Lord is coming soon. All the news that you're hearing, ah, we are in the last days. We are in the last days. Let's, let's, let's be serious even in attending church. Let's value the worship. Let's value the word of God just as they value. When we turn to the scriptures, while there is no specific text requiring a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night prayer meeting, what we find is the example of Acts in the gathering together for worship is a, listen to the word, priority. And the assembly of the saints is something we ought to value. 
See, the writer of Hebrews actually encourages us to assemble more as we draw closer to the return of Christ. Hebrews 10.25, this is what the scripture said in the slide. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Yes, Christ is coming so soon. And when Christ comes, he wants you to be faithful in his body. So there is uh, this, this priority and, and values. When our church meet, you ought to be here. As a new church, New Testament church, we ought to prize and value the opportunities we have to assemble in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, there is the second fundamentals that we find in the first church. And notice their practices. Verse 44, sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly, churches tend to get labeled by a particular trait or characteristic. You know, sometimes people say the church is a friendly church or some that is a formal church. Some says that that is emotional church. Some says that is a wealthy church. As you read the book of Acts, chapter 2, you will get a pretty good picture of the life and the spirit of the original church, the model church. See, and there are a number of practices and virtues that mark the first church, and we should, of course, uh, take a look at them. Okay? Number one. There was singleness. There was singleness. And all that believe were together, and the word translated together literally means in one place, one time, and one purpose. The idea is that the first church was a unified group. In verse 46, it says that uh, they were with one accord. And that phrase literally means with one mind and unanimous. Single-mindedness. As hard as it is uh, to imagine, this first assembly was a church where all people were in agreement and were on the same mind. See, there was singleness in the mindset and the direction of the body. This is very important. Why? It's because when there is someone who is opposed to their teaching, church will be divided. Right? Even a slight theology. And that's why here is the church. If you have a different theology, respect our theology. And if you can respect the theology, go to a church that you have the same like-mindedness. Why? Because it will only ruin our fellowship. Several years ago, research was done regarding the success or failure of a major corporations. See, the survey found, that, did you know that 90, 95% of failures among companies are due to internal problems due to internal problems you know this church it's still new they don't have any problem yet but as time goes by 
there were false teachers, false prophets, who penetrated the church who were scattered abroad. And they scattered the teachings about Gnosticism. And that's why John the Beloved, he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John to combat that teaching. Even in the book of Galatians, they preach a different gospel other than the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul wrote Galatians. Why? It's because these teachers, false teachers, they penetrated the church. Satan uses them to divide the church. But the original church, it gives us an idea that if we want our fellowship to be in one accord, like-mindedness, we need to have the same teaching, we need to have the same gospel that we preach. Amen. It's because Satan will use this one to divide our church. Likewise, there are many churches that are struggling and failing because there is too much conflict and not enough cooperation. Members of a church cannot battle one another and bless one another at the same time. Did you get the idea? You cannot battle and bless at the same time as a church. We need to be unified. We need to be in one accord, just like the original church. So within the first church, there was not only single-mindedness or singleness, but notice that also there was self Lessness. I look back at the text and notice verses 44 and 45. It says, And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every man had need. Now, uh, don't misinterpret this. Are you saying, Pastor, that you want me to sell my house and give it to the church? No, no, that's not the idea here. Okay? But, if that is your understanding, it's good also. <laughs> but anyway, because they were starting, they need what? They, would, they need resources. They need money. And, and, and those people were very generous. That's why you see they sold all their belongings, possessions, and gave it to the apostles' people. If you, will, if you will continue reading this, the, uh, who are those husband and wife? Ananias and Sapphira. They pretended to be what? Generous. Why? Because they also sold their property and they pretended giving everything at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Oh, you did not lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened? Drop dead. Why? Because of hypocrisy. They pretended to be generous. They want to imitate Barnabas. Anyway, the point here is this. They were willing to selflessly and the word sacrificially give. So in other words, these people did not go to church simply to get, but to give. Simply not to get, what to give. They were not just consumers, they were contributors. 
The church was a body in which they could give what they had to offer and receive what they needed as well. Oh, I praise the Lord for some of the members who are stepping up because they see the need. You know, our need here is not only money. We have a lot of need. God gave us this building and there's a, a lot of things to do. I heard one lady last Sunday, or last, when was that? Friday when they were doing things. He told me, there's a lot of things to do here. It's true. Lord, Brother Elmer, eh, he, he's done here cutting and then next week he will start over there and then when he's done, he will start over here. We're not done in painting. Look at that restroom, single restroom on our uh, social hall. There's a lot of things to do. If you are only sensitive, you can give your time. Not only your time, but also talent. They were sacrificially giving, not only their resources, but also their time and their talent. I know a lot of us are talented here. You can give yourself in leading Bible study. Some of you are, have already the knowledge of the word of God. And my prayer is that you know, the Lord will really send someone who is faithful in helping me teaching the word of God. Again, most churches have too many members who only want to watch but not work, sit but not serve, listen but not labor, take but not tight, show up but not stand up. Such was not the case in the first church. The church was made up of Christians who understood that a selfless saint, or selfish saint, I should say, is a contradiction in terms. They were selfless, not selfish. Number three, we'll notice here that the virtue of this congregation was seen in its singleness and its selflessness, but number three, there was sweetness. Look again in verse 46. It says that as the original body of believers met together on a daily basis, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of our you know what this is not a problem for us when we eat because i see everyone when they get the the food they were all smiling <laughs> but they did it with gladness and singleness of heart see the word gladness is translated from a word that speaks of exuberant joy it sometimes refers to Singing and dancing. And the word singleness in verse 46 comes from the word that literally means without rocks. And so the idea here is it describes something that is smooth and pleasant. How many of you like those dove chocolate? How many of you tasted those dove chocolate? They are smooth. When you put them in your tongue, they melt and they are smooth. They don't have any rocks. See, the idea here is this. When, when, when a true believer in the Lord they meet, there is this sweetness. Amen. <laughs> sweetness. 
While many churches are about as joyful as the funeral home and as pleasant as a root canal, uh, that was certainly not the case with the first church, nor should it be with ours. And I really hate root canals. How many of you love root canals? And many churches is like root canal. <laughs> I really hate the sound of that. I'm sweating my whole body. But a church who is really in the Lord, there is this sweetness. The assembling of God's people ought to be marked by smiles. It's not only during picture-taking. Even though we're not taking selfie or picture-taking, you need to smile. Smile to your brothers and sisters in the Lord as you meet them. Don't smile on your own because probably some will see you and there's something wrong, there's something wrong with that guy. You know? No, what we're saying is when you meet our brothers and sisters in the Lord, please... Hi, say hi and smile. And that's what they do. Uh, Laughter, joy, excitement, and sweet spirit of love, friendship, and also community. So we should be able to say uh, with the songwriter, There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on its face. And I know that it's the presence of the Lord. How many of you want to go to a church that people don't even greet you and don't even smile at you? I will not go back. And that's why, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, if you want those visitors come back, don't just greet your closest friend here in this church. I know here in this church you have a closest friend. Greet those people whom you meet them first time, the second time, and the third time. Don't just be sweet with your close friend. <laughs> be sweet to those guests who are coming here. Amen. Because that is our reflection. They don't welcome people here. Why will I come back? Assembling. That's what they do. And there is this third fundamental uh, lesson that we can draw from this church, okay? And number three is their power of enduring. Verse 43, uh, the old uh, mountain evangelist Vance Havner used to say, and this is what he said, Next slide. It's about time we quit playing church in these services that start at 11 o'clock sharp and then at 12 o'clock dull. Uh, You see the play on words over there? (laughs) Sharp and dull. (laughs) Now, verse 43, of course, uh, it, it is about them, go back to the first slide. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, meaning something is happening. People are doing something. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Wonders and signs are very popular in those days because they don't have the scripture yet. They do miracles, signs, and wonders. They do speaking in tongues in those days. 
to validate the message of the apostles, that means, oh, they are authentic. Today, we have the word of God. And so the first church was certainly not, listen to the word, not a perfect church. I'm sad. I'm sad. When members leave another church, they were looking for another church. Because our church is not perfect. You cannot find a perfect church. Why? Because when you join the perfect church, the moment you join, it becomes imperfect. No church, no perfect church. Every church, as we all have our different styles. No perfect church. But no one, listen very carefully, that church is not perfect, but no one could ever accuse it of being a dead church. So in the text and throughout the book of Acts, the church is marked by vision, a vision, a victory, vigor, and vitality. For this. Vision, victory, vigor, and vitality. See, what, the, what, what this church may have lacked in organization, they lack money, they lack programs, and they don't even have facility. So it's more than made up for in life and power. So we learn from them that a supernatural vitality is more critical than anything else we may have as a congregation. So the life and vitality of this church were evident in a couple of areas. Number one, there was action in this church. There was action in this church. You see, look, look back again in, in, in this text. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. In our words, there was an awe and reverence for God and developed among these people. So as God worked through the apostles to perform miracles and give signs as confirmation of the message of the gospel, while the signs and wonder may, may change, listen, while the signs and wonder may change, the church should still be a place in which God is working. Lives ought to be changed and people ought to be touched through the ministry of the church. Uh, when, when we gather for worship, we should come expecting to see God move in our midst. You know, during our Zoom meeting Wednesday and even Friday, I, see, I hear some testimonies about, you know, their spiritual growth. And I praise the Lord and give back all the glory unto the Lord. Indeed, when you study the word of God, you will grow, you will change. The reason why they're changing, the reason why something happening here, it's because, again, Priority is the word of God, and life changes. I assure you, there was nothing quiet uh, and dead about the services in the first church. There was action in the church. Uh, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, this is what he said. Cuts on fire with enthusiasm, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. Which is true. If they see your enthusiasm, if they see that you are excited to go 
Philam International Baptist Church for worshiping the Lord. And they see you here smiling. There is gladness and there is love. Oh, well, people will come for miles to watch you burn. Life and action in a church will draw people from the dead routines of this world and this life. You see, the church that catches on fire is an attractive, magnetic thing. Notice, not only that there was action in the church, but the life and vitality of this congregation was seen in letter B, there was addition to this church. Look down at the close of chapter 2, verse 47. It says, And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Imagine in those days, daily, they're being added. Today, I think it's yearly. <laughs> but daily. So, on a daily basis, men and women being converted to Christ and added to the church, imagine baptizing all of those people. And no wonder they had to meet every day. While not every church will be a large church. Not every churches are the same. There are small church, medium church, and well, we call those mega churches. Okay? There's nothing wrong with mega churches. There's nothing wrong with small church and medium church. Every church should be a growing church. A church, by its nature, is supposed to be an organization that exists to add to its number. Now, churches are not supposed to be like forts, F-O-R-T-A-S, uh, in which the faithful hold up and wait for the end of the world, meaning uh, we should not be holed up in, in a hole and do nothing. We should do something. Okay? Churches are supposed to be families who seek to reproduce and grow and enlarge our tanks. The late pastor Adrian Rogers, this is what he said. A church will either evangelize or it will fossilize, but it will not stand still. I agree with him. Uh, we should not be fossilized. We should evangelize. We should share the gospel to other people who don't know the Lord. Or we may never see people being saved on a daily basis, but if the day ever comes that we stop seeing folks getting saved at all, we might as well plan a funeral service for our church. Why? Because our church will be dead. Again, I am saddened because most churches in, in our association, some of the churches, they're dying. American churches, particularly. Because most of them are old. They did not evangelize youth. And that's why our church, one of our churches in, in Peoria, they joined that American church who's dying. Because this church is, they're all old. There's nothing wrong with old, okay? Uh, but the problem is they did not reach out to young people to continue the work. Same thing what's happening in our other church in Tucson. They are joining that uh, it's called Rincon Baptist Church. They're joining, they're merging. So they, don't, they did not reach out to the young people. If you have a youth in your home, those are your mission field. Reach out to them. Please think about their eternity. Our life here on earth is not permanent. Either a person, when he die, will go to heaven or hell. 
only two destinations. Whether you accept it or not, that's the teaching of the Word of God. Think about their eternity. We need to reach out to them. Evangelize or we will fossilize. I will close in this illustration. In 1935, the members of the Sudan Interior Mission, uh, they were forced to leave their mission field. Uh, when Mussolini invaded Ethiopia at the onset of World War II. Then the missionaries grieved and worried over the small band of believers that made up the church they had started. They started the church. And guess how many members that church? You see, after nine years of service, nine years of service, the missionaries had led 48 natives in Christ. Nine years. And that's why, think about your patience. Your prayers for the person whom you want to get saved. These inland missionaries, they spent nine years and 48, they led to Christ. Now, the story is not yet end or finished. And now, they had to leave them by themselves to carry on the gospel of the church. Why? Because they were kicked out. So they were left on their own, those 48 believers in the Lord. It was not until July 4, 4th of July, 1943, that the missionaries were able to return because World War II is done. Now, when they came back, what they found amazed them. The small group of 48 believers had grown, even under the persecution of Mussolini, to over 18 from 48 to 18,000. As a result of these numbers, think about this. 48. As a result, these 48 were faithful to evangelize their country. <laughs> Instead of trying new things, perhaps what church need to do is we need to look back. Not to the 1950s, but to the first century church, the model church that we're studying at the first church. See, the, the fundamentals that made the first church powerful are still relevant in our day. Still today, we need commitment to the word of God. We still need assemblies that are marked by singleness, selflessness, and sweetness. And lastly, more than we need, we, we need new programs and, and new agendas. We simply need a fresh breath of a divine life and vitality to blow through our gatherings and our efforts. See, what I'm talking about here is every one of us needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason why this church in those days exploded is because their power is the Holy Spirit, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
I will ask you this question. As we go forward, we need not a new model, okay, but a new appreciation and application of the original church. And my question to you this morning is, a, I call this rhetorical question. Rhetorical question is, you can answer it on your own. Okay? And this question is this. If the Lord will use you as a model for His church today, now I want you to think meditatively on this question. What do you think will happen to His church? Personalize this. Don't think about other people. If the Lord will use you as a model for his church today, what do you think will happen to his church? Think about your priorities. Think about your values. Think about their assemblies in those days. What will happen? Again, this is a rhetorical question. You can answer this on your own. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for your words this morning. Thank you, Lord, for that model church we can emulate. Father, we thank you so much even for the privilege of using us to expand your kingdom. Lord, my prayer is that each and every one of us will just be faithful unto you. And may your Holy Spirit always guide us and empower us. Father, bless your children. Bless this church. We want to be, a Lord, a blessing to this community, most especially to those who don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, thank you. Probably this morning, as you answer that question, you want to recommit your life to the Lord. Okay? I want you to raise your hand and I will pray for you. Pastor, I am recommitting my life. I want to be like the mother church. Will you raise your hand? Thank you, sister. Are there any more? Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Are there any more? raise your hand and I will pray for you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. See those hands. Let's all stand up. Father, I know that every one of us have the desire to be like this model church. Lord, I pray that you will be with those people who just raise their hands. Lord, I know when they raise their hands, they are so serious about being faithful unto you. So, Father, I pray, I pray that you will just bless them. Be with them, empower them, O oh Lord, through your Holy Spirit. And I give back all the glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.